Ideas and perspectives are two words that lead the conversations that happen here at New Light Network. Listen in on the variety of individuals that sit at this table and see what you can pick up. This podcast is a production of Golden Duck Studios, done in partnership with Home on Jarvis. Let's talk about Bahrain. Yeah, let's talk about Bahrain. Yeah, let's What's talk the weather about- like in Bahrain? Bahrain is extremely hot. Like we're talking 42, 45 degrees centigrade. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So what do you do? Like if the weather is extremely hot, what activities? Are, is everything just indoor based now? Like for activity wise, how do you like get around? Like do I have to take public transport? You know. Um, I, there, there isn't really no such thing as public transport in Bahrain. Everyone drives. No one likes to walk. Okay. And the country is 45 minutes long. Like you could travel the whole country in 45 minutes, but you will be stuck in traffic for about 30 of those minutes. Oh, cool. The country is very, very tiny. Oh, that's like Singapore as well, you know? Yeah. yeah. Pretty hot. Um, Formula One happens there. Yeah. Can get from one end of the country to the other in 45 minutes. Sweet. Uh, speaking of Formula One, mm. it's probably a good time to introduce yeah. who is sitting across from me in this table. And today we're joined by Niru Singh who is a content creator slash social media manager who currently works for Sports Signage, which is a company that works for with Formula One. And if you've seen Formula One and you've seen the signs, uh, like the branding uh, and the billboards and stuff on yeah, the- and the podiums. On the po- and the podiums, the podiums and the cool down rooms as well, right? Cool down room just came back today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you've seen that on TV in Formula One, Sports Signage is a company that takes care of all that. They design it. And uh, Niru has recently landed a job with them as a content creator slash social media manager. Now, I'm very excited to have you here because I actually found out, to give you a bit of context to whoever's listening, I found out about Nero like last year when Jordana mentioned all of you guys, you know, in the, in the creative group and your work really stood out to me uh, because, you know, of course, being like Formula One fans, I was like, you know, wow, this works great. And uh, I knew that I had to have you on the podcast before you're, you relocate to the UK. And this was my only opportunity, and uh, so that's why I reached out. Thank, thank you for, thank you so much for being here. No, of course, happy, happy to be here. Always interested in talking to new people, and just genuinely interested to talk about Formula One. Like any time we can have a conversation about Formula One, it's always great. So exactly, and we're joined by Tinashe as well. Tinashe, as you all, all obviously know, is also a, a Formula One fan. Big Lewis fans here at the table, Mercedes fans. Um, you can obviously find Tinashe in his room in a simulator. Uh, driving around uh, your favorite circuit, which is, as we were saying, Bahrain. Yeah, currently it's Bahrain, just because I'm very fast there at the moment. Um, but uh, ironically, Nehru is from there, from Bahrain, and I think he's gonna tell us how it was or his experience in like growing up in Bahrain. Yeah. Are you? Were you? So were you born? Where were you born, basically? I'm born in India. Okay. Uh, in a place called Bihar, so north. Bihar, yeah, yeah. But I only spend about two two and a half years i think in bar in india mm-hmm. so i don't remember too much of it to be honest and my mom always tells me that i should remember a lot more but i don't so bahrain was more influential to me obviously so they had a race the first ever race for bahrain for formula one was about 2004 and my dad took me to one of those races and because he was like i don't know what to do with this kid he's like he, j- he just got tickets somehow from work or something I was like, great, let's let's go. I I was so naive. I didn't know what to do. I was like, I'm I'm, I'm curious. And the first image and memory of it is Michael Schumacher driving his F1 like V10 era car. 
I'm like, oh, those were loud. Those were loud. And I, I have a vivid memory of like putting earplugs in because they really hurt. Like the cars this year and the cars in general after the hybrid era, they're not, they're loud. Nothing compared to the V10. The V10 and the V8s uh, yeah. were the sweetest sounds. They were fantastic to listen to. Um, so yeah, that, that was my first ever memory. And you know, my friends say that I should be a Tifosi and Ferrari fan because I watched Michael for the first time. But you know, I am technically more of a Lewis fan because I started watching him in 2006. And I just loved his personality, the way he should have showcased himself and how he portrayed himself. And he was just unique compared compared to some of the other drivers around. So I got hooked into like figuring out who this guy is and his rise to the top to Formula One. And then obviously 2007, he just like came into the scene like absolutely guns blazing. I'm like, this guy is freaking cool. He's he's cool. So yeah, that's that's kind of how I got into into Formula One through through Bahrain and then eventually through Lewis much more. Absolutely. Now, you know, cut to many years later, you're here and you're working very closely with Formula One, obviously. And can you take us through through the trajectory of how all of this happened and like, you know, where'd you go to high school, uh, college, what opportunities did you get after that? Basically, you know, the points in your life that led you to here? Yeah, it's a it's a long tenure process, actually, uh, which is weird to say. I'm not that old, but uh yeah, uh, in Kitchener, I, I live in Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, so the Tri Cities area, or close to Toronto. My dad had a camera in grade when I was in grade ten, so I just picked it up and I started walking around my nature trails and started learning how to use that camera properly. And it was just a hobby at the fir- at a time, being like, "This is cool. Like, I'll just pick it up and see see how it goes." But I never expected it to evolve into something much much greater than the like what I'm what I'm here right now. But I started watching all these YouTubers, Mr. Ben Brown, uh, we all know Casey Neistat. Oh, love Casey. Casey's the reason why I'm in film school, which, yeah. which is a whole other conversation. There's, there's, a, there's, you know, and he's a reason for a lot of people getting into filmmaking. But Mr. Ben Brown was was one guy for me specifically. He's a UK YouTuber, not not as much anymore. But I, I realized it was a career when he started basically going around, going around the world being like, documenting his life documenting what he does i was like this is a cool career i didn't know this this was possible and then once that spark got into me then i started to focus my attention on okay well i'm not going to be doing nature walks my entire life so how can i combine my passion of cars which started in bahrain and because of supercars and bring my photography work into that so there was a club called prince adventures in in guelph kitchen close by to kitchener and just at that time when I was sort of reigniting that passion with cars and photography, he was starting that group, uh, my friend called Jamie Prince. And he would just bring in like these exotic car meets and people that had all these exotic cars around the, around Toronto, Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge. And I would just start showing face at these car meets all the time. Eventually, they started to recognize who I was, who, you know, what I did. And they started to realize that I could be of potential value to them and potential value to Jamie Jamie himself. And I started photographing all their events and planning concept shoots with, with their cars, trying to think of new ideas of like, how can I best showcase this car? So that, I would say, went from like my fifth year of, sorry, my first or second year of university to probably till the end of my fifth year of university, basically. Uh, which was at Laurier, uh, Wilfrid Laurier University. So I, I did that for about five years. 
just trying to figure out what I wanted to do and if photography was actually a feasible thing for me to do with, with car stuff, with car photography as well. And F1 was always there in the back of my mind. And like I always continued to watch it, but I never knew if that was a career that I could ever do because it's so far away for people in the U- in North America, Canada, North uh, and, and the U.S. specifically. Everything surrounding F1 is basically in Europe. So, but you know, I I spend a lot of time networking with people in Toronto, uh, my local area, meeting photographers, meeting creatives eventually getting to a stage where I met these Toronto creatives that I became super, super close with. We had a random Zoom call just before the New Year's Eve in uh, in 2020, and my friend Juan decided to build this uh, Discord chat out, which I had no clue at the time of. And, you know, obviously this, this is during COVID time, so no one left their house. All we could do during the wintertime was chat to each other and talk about photography and what we eventually planned to do. And I set it out saying like, hey, you know, I want to I wanna do photography in F1 and I want hopefully do it at some point. Uh, but at, during that time, I was working for a dealership uh, called a Mercedes dealership close by to me. So, you know, creating content for them, creating creating media for them and uh, learning my craft as I, as I went along, but for a brand. Because uh, most of the time I was just doing it for myself. And through that, and through connections through Instagram, through Clubhouse, which will which I'll chat about more, and who the influential people were in my in, in Clubhouse, kind of they all those kind of combined made my sort of trajectory to to where I am now with Formula One. There's a lot more in detail that I can discuss, obviously, with Clubhouse, and you know everyone that knows about Clubhouse and during the COVID COVID era will will know about Clubhouse. But yeah, yeah the app where you just like talk to random people. Yeah, talk to random it's people just about it's a voice chat app. It's a voice it? chat yeah. app. Yeah, so that's kind of how I got into this position and talked to a lot more F one people in uh, on Clubhouse itself. But I want to ask you, what drives you creatively? Like, no pun intended, but like, what what's your creative vision like? As in, uh, in terms of like motivation and like what motivates me to continue creating different concepts all the time. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like a vague, open ended question. But yeah. that's also why I like the questions because there's no wrong answer. No, and I think it's different for everyone. Um, I, I would say I started inst. It all started because of Instagram when I started my Instagram account, and it was just a passion for sharing what I was doing. That it kind of eventually turned into, what are cool concepts I can make? Like I had just had interesting ideas of like, oh, this would be cool to photograph and and do that people might not have seen before. And I think that changes over time. Um, it's it's a tough question to answer because as you're going through it, you don't think about what's motivating, motivating you. You just go and do it itself. Um, so initially, it'll probably just be the, the curiosity of like starting to create, just create itself. But then afterward, afterwards, it's all about what stories can I tell? So I think in in my stage now, what's motivating me is telling unique stories about individuals, about people, because there's so many stories to be told and not all of them can be told right away. So crafting the perfect story and talking about people's journey through, you know, whether it's their career or some difficult times that they've been through, um, what they're doing in life is is what 
motivates me the most. And that's mostly around, I guess, Formula One right now. But that can change over time because it's, you know, F1's F1, but there's in the backbone of it is like it's run by interesting people. And I think that's why I want to, that's why I was more interested in Formula One is telling the people's stories in, in F1 itself. Apart from obviously the fact that they drive 300 freaking 50 kilometers an hour and it's, it's a unique sport, you know. It's as close to as a superhuman as you can get, I feel like, a Formula One driver. That's how I always saw it. Um, they're just superheroes. Yeah, hasn't, hasn't Lewis Hamilton said before? He was like, he wanted to be either Superman, Formula One driver, or astronaut. I'm like, yeah, you kind of fit the mold of like <laughs> trying to be Superman and F1 driver. So, Yeah, there's so many things I wanted to ask, especially for when you said what your question was what motivates your creative vision is that what you said Mm -hmm. like what drives you creatively yes exactly so i I also want so he said what drives you creatively so it kind of lingers with the motivation but i also want to talk about creative vision right um do you think it's something you're born with or is it you it's something that for example at a young age you saw like once you said you said instagram kind of like influenced you to kind of lean to it so you saw that okay these people are kind of telling stories let me try to do it. How did you take that initial like signing, right? You saw something and you're like, I want to try this out. And then how did you then embrace your own style, right? So how did you kind of develop this um, vision for your photography style, number one? Number two, was it through uni? Is it through different methods of trying out uh, different, let's say you were working for brands, they said they liked this. Was it feedback or is it something that you knew from your gut? Because I sometimes feel like there's certain things that we have naturally, um, Especially, um, you just know that this is the right take for me, especially for, for creative people. So I just want to know, how is it like for you? Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people actually don't know this, and um, a lot of my close friends don't know. I used to draw quite a lot when I was a kid, and I was really into painting uh, watercolors, and there's, I think, so many freaking paints. Uh, um, what am I trying to say? Um, sort of drawings I, I, I'd done as a kid, like books and books of it. So... I think it was initially initially there as a kid and then kind of got lost in my sort of academic years of, you know, going through, especially when I moved out to, to Canada. I was always a decent sort of academic as a, as a before I moved. And then I, when I moved here, that kind of all just went away. And it the academics were not really interesting me at that, at that stage. So the... I think you have a bit of it as as a kid and it just depends on how you end up cultivating it through your teenage years and your adult life and if you find that yourself. A lot of people sometimes don't. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But if it's in you, it, like, just naturally, try and embrace it just a bit, uh, a bit more. And I, th- I think everyone generally tends to have that. It just depends on how you cultivate it through your teenage years and your, your adult life, honestly. You, you can take so many paths in, in life, especially in university when you're trying to figure out what you want to do. I don't know if that answers your question, but it's... You know. No, that definitely does. Um, just because I kind of like resonate with what you're saying because I all believe that everyone uh, naturally has something. Obviously, unfortunately, because of the unupdated uh, or outdated school curriculum is just basic. They put you through different things and then they hope something sticks, right? But whereas they should have like cultivated something that someone um, could actually potentially use in the future. I see this because people like, for example, Formula One drivers, 
they did that their whole childhood until they were like growing up. So that was instantly cultivated. As soon as someone like, for example, Lewis, um, he was racing RC cars. He wasn't even in a go-kart at like five, six years old. But someone saw his hand-eye coordination and was like, hmm, let me put him in a go-kart. And then boom, he's a superstar now. So I'm like, it's something that I wish the world had more of just because it's we see the results that it produces. And I wish, it, and it's never too late for people. It's a message that I also want to say that even if you're in university or even if you're someone, you know that you've got, let's say photography was your passion or you have something that you're really good at it, you can just deviate aside and kind of like see where you can take it because worst case scenario, um, you know, you end up making it. Yeah, by the way, shout out to his dad as well for working like really, seven jobs. Yeah, or like, realizing his potential and to be like, this kid's got something. It's hard to pinpoint sometimes, you know, because it's like when you're just going through life, you just don't, you don't really sit down to think about that. And then when someone's, someone asks you that, you just go, oh, I don't, I haven't thought about that for too, too long. Maybe I should do some thinking on why that is and how I got there. So, yeah, but interesting question to think about when I get home today. For it, sure. It's kind of funny because it's something that we and Ani kind of discuss in this podcast because the reason why it sort of exists is because we said someone knows something that you don't might as well learn from them, right? And because life is so fast, there's never like this guideline or manual for you to just pick up and like learn from. So we're like, we're trying to just put as much content out there and we hope this might help you one day. You know what I mean? It's just about ideas, perspectives. Like you said, you know, if something catches you off guard, we love that. That's what we want, you know, it's for me or for the guests or for the listeners, anyone, anyone. So you talked about creating for a brand and creating for yourself. When you made that switch from creating for yourself to a brand, what sort of differences did you encounter? What sort of things that you had to sort of let go? And uh, like what sort of pr- challenges, I guess, it presented? Right. So that's a great question because I think there's a lot of creators that end up going through that phase. And you just learn on the job. So one thing I ended up learning and realizing was it's great that you make all this content and it's all pretty and nice, but what value really does it have for the brand? So let's take uh, Mercedes, for example. So I do a lot of car photography. They have a lot of inventory of cars. Uh, to customers buying that car, how much is how important is it to show to showcase a nice pretty image there's pretty images of that exact same car on the internet everywhere second how are you going to differentiate yourself so the way i sort of looked at that dealership and that job was to see what are things and features of our local community and of that specific car that cater to this audience in kitchener waterloo that other people from other cities won't end up using showcasing something interesting showcasing what the car does um, and that showcases value to the company and showcases value to the dealership. So changing a perspective on not just making pretty images and pretty content, but changing it to how can I provide value to the, to the sales team, to the market, to the, to the managers. Cause ultimately I was there as a supporting role to sell cars and you're there to help the sales staff, not to, elevate the brand's image of this is who we are because everyone knows about Mercedes. Is there a point where it got to like, you're sort of like 
sacrificing on your vision or some things that you just had to like you're attached to but you had to let go because you were creating for a brand yeah so it comes with you know creating with a brand and companies comes with its own restrictions because they have brand guidelines people people with different visions ideas you're not there just by yourself you're there with a whole team and even if they're not in like a marketing team or creative team they have opinions and things that they that they want to change as well so it's not just down to the creator so you have to sort of let go at times be like i really want to make this piece of content and like i think it's going to look amazing and it's going to provide value but some of the other team won't won't maybe appreciate it or they don't think it's necessary so at times you might have to be like i have to let go of this idea and vision and play or play around with these certain restrictions and try and create the best sort of work i can create within those restrictions and sometimes you end up do creating the best content within those restrictions i think creatively if you're going into projects and stuff without any with free reign you can go all over the place and you you won't end up niching down on like okay what why are we actually making making this and what's the purpose and that's when great storytelling comes in that's when sort of you really hone in your hone in your craft so having that nice balance of like playing with restrictions is dealing with restrictions is nice but there was a point in time when i was like yeah i guess a little bit too much restrictions and not really enjoying it as much and i didn't feel like i was creating my best content and at at that time i stopped creating for myself honestly because i was just like not really feeling like energetic or energized to create anything at the moment when i was so i was listening to your talk with juan yeah and i watched that like three times over front to back really when i was preparing for this episode so uh and in that you mentioned oh by the way shout out to juan yeah Who's juan a, by the way major shout out to him yeah, yeah he's a sports videographer that you don't want to miss he's working for the nhl right now yeah and he's he's probably going to come on here at some point as well absolutely honest. yeah absolutely Press juan if you're hearing this put a good word for us uh, yeah yeah <laughs> juan you got to come on this podcast he was actually <laughs> we came back from the race and he was taking a nap in my car so uh, we just got back from the race and it was like he was knocked out basically but <laughs> no, we'll, Juan. we'll 100% get him on the seat and i'm going to link uh, his uh, chat with nero somewhere in the descriptions as well so you can check it out yeah and uh, but in that talk you mentioned that your you know your job with uh, mercedes felt sort of transactional it's the word that you used and that sort of led me to think that what what sort of characteristics or qualities do you look for in your collaborate collaborator or employer Good like point. what sort of environment uh, are you looking for right I, okay so i've had a pretty relatively short career still to be honest my i've had jobs at for mercedes obviously but it's been like either retail jobs or like marketing assistant jobs for for small clients this was mercedes was like my i guess big time big boy job i guess you could say and there was a lot i learned from it there was a lot of people that i like i still appreciate and i still talk to but there obviously came a point in my time in in my time was with mercedes that i was like i'm not feeling like genuinely motivated like fulfilled? yeah fulfilled and motivated to create to continue creating uh which is why i used the word transactional because it felt like as soon as i created certain images like the car was sold and it it just felt like okay here what's the next thing and what's the next thing it it didn't feel like i was telling stories and to me 
whenever I'm looking for a collaboration with a with a creator or with with anyone, it's like, okay, what story can we tell here, and what's the purpose behind? Telling this exact story, uh, my English teacher in in high school would always say this, being like, "Okay, you you wrote about it, so what? Like, why why do I care?" And there was a point in my time with Mercedes, I was like, "Well, why do I? Why should people care about that? Like this SUV, right?" And I and I and I at a certain point was I was like, uh, "Firstly, I hate SUVs as well in general." So I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't get behind the passion of like, "Oh, I really love this Mercedes and writing great copy about it." I'm like I could care less. Why and do I, you hate SUVs? It's an SUV, man. It's an SUV. It's got higher center of gravity. You could just just buy a station wagon at this point. Like yep. if you if you own a Merce, if you own a Mercedes SUV, like go just buy an E63. If you have that kind of money, it's lower lower center of gravity, more space, like same exact five seats. You're spending more on gas. Like why buy why buy an SUV? It doesn't make sense. He's still True. he's still doing his Mercedes job right now. True. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, really uh, the, the plot twist. I've never actually just changed jobs. I've always been working for Mercedes. But no, I think I mean go and talk to Chris Harris. Go and talk to like some of the car journal, some of the car journalists. Are like, don't understand SUVs. Like, I don't get it. And this this opinion comes from Top Gear and Chris Harris in general. It's supposed to be your suburban utility vehicle. Yeah, it's supposed to do other things that the saloon doesn't do. But I still see them doing the same thing, especially if there's a station wagon version. But um, sorry, but in wanted to ask you then but i isn't i i don't know if i'm asking the right question uh feel free to correct me or anything like that but let's say if i'm in the industry of content creating i still feel like there are two sides to it there's like personal and there's also like the professional side and i thought the skill is to be they'll onboard you to be able to tell their story their vision you know what i mean and then you do it to the best of your ability or you or you feel like it has to be a balance where it has to have a touch of your unique style to it. You know what I mean? Because uh, you said with Mercedes, you felt like it, it, you needed more, right? But then I'm like, isn't it you had to tell their story instead of yours? Um, I don't know if I'm asking the right question, no, no, but feel free to tweak what I, I, I got you. You're basically asking us like, you need to have, like, it's their vision and you have to tell their vision, but like you bring your own vision into it in a way. Um, yeah, I get that. And like, you're supposed to obviously tell their their brand vision, what they're what they're trying to do as well. But, it's a it's a Mercedes dealership that's like, I guess you could say, um, like it's a local dealership. We're not talking like we're still working with the brand itself, but it's not like headquarters where it's coming from top down. So there's a lot of room to play around with like creativity and like creating unique content and showcasing personality about the dealership itself, rather than just hey, this is just another Mercedes. You could go to the next Mercedes dealership down the road and get the same exact exact experience. So, like, how are we differentiating our experience at this dealership compared to somebody else's dealership, uh, somebody else's Mercedes dealership? So, that's why I was bringing in my own sort of sense of style and vision into it. So, yeah, no, I just wanted to hear. You know what I mean? Um, speaking of this, uh, I'm planning on doing some some vision creation myself. Uh, okay. Do you have any tips for me? I'm trying to, but this is leaning towards film. How can I? tell our vision for yeah. the company that i'm currently working for uh just because we've opened up more now that COVID is done and yeah. we want maximum outreach and i want to chip in a, a few sides just because i mean i do like holding the camera sometimes i'm not professional but how how what tips do you have in order to be able to express or tell a story you know what i mean um for anyone out there who's just trying to tell a story or tell a vision 
um, what tips or advice would you give to anyone who's trying to recreate content, to be honest, whether it's anything that they, they love passionately, it's professional, or I think we do more personal than professional. Yeah, I think more personal. It, it matters on, you should always be telling your story. No one else has your experience and your the exact same shared experience that you have. There are like common experiences and common qualities between like people's stories, but you can only always tell your story. And I think that's the most interesting. So when you're going to creating a vision mood board or storytelling type of aspect, try and bring your own experience into it. It's going to depend on like, it's very situation dependent from like what you're actually creating, whether you're creating something for yourself or like a small brand compared to, you know, big brands. It's like, at a certain point, you can't tell, like you, you're executing somebody else's vision at that point, but you're bringing in your own experience to to figure out how to how to tell the stories, their stories the best way. Because ultimately, it's a brand, but it's backed by people. So, and a good brand usually tends to have like some ethos, some message behind it. And if you can get behind their message and ethos and connect it to yourself, then it's, then that's fantastic because then you can like, elevate their story and how, how to, how to best sort of approach, you know, whether it's a documentary image, photo shoot, whatever that, whatever creatively it is that you have to make. And to sort of add to that, like he said, you know, each company will have like an ethos or a message. And we always say, start with why we always refer to Simon Sinek, who's like one of the characters who we often refer, often refer to in the podcast. And like, whenever, you know, coming from a film background, I feel like when you go back to the drawing board and like actually ask yourself why you're doing it, and that that sort of like motivate you. So the why will lead to the how, and the how will lead to the what. Okay. Well, let me ask you guys a question. Why did you start this then? Ah, perfect. Great question. Who should start? Who should start? <laughs> uh, <laughs> go. You go. Because there's a million podcasts, right? Like, why would you know? It's like there's that self doubt of like, well, we have there's a million podcasts around. Why why should we start our our very own? I am so glad you asked. Now. Now, okay, with the name itself, right? New Light Network, that's the name of the podcast. And the thing I wanted was to create a community. And even in this building that we're in, like um, home, you know, they, there's always like talk of community. Each floor over here, every five floors in this building is known as a community. So something like a 25th floor to a 27th floor, that's known as a community. That community has an RA. And then, you know, they all get together each week. So there's a big sense of that. And I was like, during COVID, you know, there's, a big lack of long-form conversation and how can I get that back within this community? I was like, okay, podcasts are like up and coming. Let me create that. And I named it New Light Network because I want to put emphasis on the word network. So whenever I get someone on board, you know, I'm creating a network essentially, you know, it's like, okay, hey, have you been on this podcast? I've been on those podcasts too. And then they sort of know each other through that then. And then I know them, Tanashi will get to know them. And then if, they hear, uh, you know, someone interesting talk and someone reaches out to me saying, you know, hey, you know, I heard your talk with Nero. Can you like connect me with him? So things like that. It's just community building. That's that's what that's the underlying motivation for why we created this podcast and uh, surrounding it is as well. You know, where we're talking about like everyone knows something that you don't. You know, we have that quote literally on our posters wherever we promote it because we believe uh you know, everyone has like ideas, perspectives, and uh, it's just about keeping an open mind. I, I think um, the one thing about university as well is you're never going to find 
ever in your lifetime ever again the same this number of people that are the same age as you that are trying to figure it out all at the same time and there's a lot of people that like we'll talk about either dropping out or you know moving on from this and if you don't know what you want to do in life just yet like obviously it's it's a lot of money but it's it's a very unique experience to to be had um I say that now in hindsight because I almost dropped out of university and wasn't enjoying it. But I, I heard somebody else say this as well. I'm like, yeah, this is very true. The, the, the shared experience of going through university and trying to figure out what you want to do after university is a unique experience because everyone there is, your, is the same age. So you start to meet a lot of people that want to either do something similar to you or completely different. But you'll find your friends there. No, for sure. even i was even telling tanashi like the even the type of people that we have are roughly like up until now uh like have been our age or even younger to be quite honest and you know they've either like been out in the industry or like they're also still trying to figure it out so it's all a mixture and like you said like it's such a unique place where like you'll meet like-minded people and like everyone who's just trying to figure it out uh in one place and yeah that's rare i think when you step out into the world it's uh it's like you go into a job you go into a job and people there are either younger or much older the people that are like already established in their careers or people that like are just starting out so you get a mix of people and everyone has their own lives their own careers and things to do so everyone's priorities are different that's that's why it's like super rare to have cuz you're never going to i don't i can't think of any other time where you'll have those that number of people with the same like visions same not vision but more like shared like uh journey mm-hmm. it's like i don't care if like you're in a different degree than me but we're all trying to get through this our own degrees with exams and you know the university life and trying to trying to figure out what we do so it's it's a it's a unique experience tanasha what do you think thank you for saying that um that especially this time where you're not going to find a lot of people going through this unique experience and i remember when me and ani sitting down to talk about this podcast we are like because we're in such a unique time like this and we're learning so much at least we have a platform that we're going to give and let people learn and have this information especially uni where i i'm i'm pretty sure during covid when there was peak isolation a lot of people doubted their degrees cuz you were just sitting on a zoom screen and it was boring and you're like i can't do this for the rest of my life so you didn't even have any reassurance there was no one to tell you hey it's okay um this is not the end of the world you know what i mean and we also try for example i like telling my peers that yeah school is school but don't make it your whole life make sure you do at least something outside so that you at least know what you know you you want to do because at the end of the day we're all trying to figure it out and i'll learn from you you can learn from me and you know like me and Ani the guests that we've invited here similar age some are younger or whatever but they've figured out something that hey I'm like yo please teach me so I can also adapt uh you know and we're going to leave this content behind on this platform so that someone one day going through the exact same experience that I went through maybe several years ago can learn from that and we're like hopefully we'll build up this network of people who would have learned from each other indirectly technically yeah yeah there's um my all the jobs that i've gotten that i've the mercedes job uh this job have been through network like who you know and that matters the most right now honestly because the market and people there's so many people doing similar things so it's oversaturated so 
I talked about this on Juan's podcast. So it's like you have to be genuine, and you ha- it helps to know who like who's your who's in your network as well. Um, there was another point I wanted to make, but I've lost my train of thought. So. No worries. Well, I <laughs> actually it happens a lot. I have yeah. a perfect leeway question into this. Uh, I wanted to ask as well. Again, something that you mentioned in uh, Juan's talk is about support systems, and you mentioned how important it was. I feel like I'm at a place. You know, I'm not. I'm fresh out of uni. I'll be done this week, actually. Wait, actually. Yeah. I'll, I'll hey, be congratulations. Thank you. Oh, that's what I wanted to. Sorry to break your point. Yeah, no worries. Um, you people were similar age. Yeah. How old are you guys, by the way? I am twenty-one. You're yeah, 21. I'm also twenty-one. You're twenty-one as yeah, well. Yeah, currently, yeah. Right. So, uh, when I was, I guess, a bit younger. Well, I'm twenty-six now. When I was, when I was a bit younger, like I still had that ego thing. It's like, oh, they're. They're younger than me. They they can't tell me any good advice, or they can't. It's not like that. Like we gotta we gotta let our ego go. Honestly, man, it's yeah. like it's like you can learn from anyone. Like there's there's people younger than me that are like making like millions and millions of dollars. Like they people people have figured out things and people for themselves and like wow, how the hell did you do that? Right. So it's like I had that stage early on, being like eh, I'm not gonna take advice from them. But it's like no no no, dude, you you gotta you gotta learn. And I think maybe sometimes uh, people like older than us, like at least older than me, 26, uh, sometimes parents want up being like, they try to be like know-it-alls. Parents? Not parents, but like pe- people that like relatives or, you know, yeah. people, pe- there are certain people that are like, I've been in this industry for so damn long, or I know, I know so- certain shit. Like there's nothing new you can tell me that will change my mind mm. kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So it's like, let that ego go and be like, I just want to learn from you. It's kind of funny because, um, especially with people who are a lot more older, like I still do listen to what they say, but then some of the stuff I'm like, well, that was applicable several years ago. I know you've been in the industry for that long, but like in 2022, that it's changed so much. I mean, people can look at, for example, there's a YouTuber who just sleeps and he, he streams that and people watch him and he earns money from that. No <laughs> so way. Like, yeah, he's literally... Wow. Uh, he, yeah, there's a YouTuber and he streams himself sleeping. So everyone will ping like comments just to disturb him <laughs> so then they get entertainment from that. So I'm like, if someone out here... you Like, remember, your parents would be like, you need to go to school. If you stay in bed, you never earn money or whatever. Well, there's someone who's staying in his bed and earning money. So I'm like... Maybe do you know, so do you know really, Twitch was started like that? What? Well, there you go. Justin... Uh, what's his name? I forget his last name but twitch was started like that he used to sleep and like vlog his entire day on twitch wow. and he's the ceo of uh of twitch um i forget his last name but someone in the comments or description but that. like you see what i mean so i'm like yes i understand that but like let's not be like narrow-minded or anything we also have to kind of let that arrogance go be open-minded yeah because i'm like especially in 2022 there's so many opportunities here that we need to actually embrace. And I feel like certain people, even the older people, also have to kind of like open up to that, that, hey, if you have someone who's younger than you and has a certain talent, let them dabble in this because you might never know. Me and Ani attended a, a TIFF event, my first Toronto International Film Festival event, and we met... Um, Ani, I can't say her name properly, but if you can... Yeah, yeah. Her name is Mayatri Ramakrishnan. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, she... Um, she stars in Never Have I Ever. It's a Netflix TV show. She's the lead. Yeah, she's D- one of the Dino lead Bannon. roles. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, so South we, Asian, Tamil, Canadian. Yeah, so we just in in there. Um, she it was like a meet and greet type of situation. So yeah, we're just hearing her story, and she didn't even go to a typical acting, like the typical acting career where you go to acting school, or whatever. She was just herself, 
And it just so happens that her character matched what you know was needed in the role that she was going to star in that show. And we're like, wow, look at that. Just you worked know? out for her. Yeah, yeah, it just worked out. Her parents, her parents were completely happy with her just doing something like that. And then, especially they were saying, especially in the South Asian community, your parents are really, they have this like traditional mindset where they're like, oh, 100%. Yeah. They're like, That's, you need to be a doctor. Like <laughs> I felt like you related to that. Oh my God, the trauma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were like, you need to be a doctor, engineer, lawyer type of situation. But with them, they're like, I think she was like, I thank my parents that they were actually open enough to let me do this and look at it now. So I'm like embracing that. You were definitely right that, you know, we should let go of that arrogance, no matter at what age, basically. I got the, uh, you should be an engineer. You should uh, go into IT. You yep. should, uh, I, at, a, at a certain stage, was a software developer and tester for a company. Like in, you were? Yeah. What? In, Crazy. Uh, in McMaster, Hamilton. No. And I did that for about, so at uh, Laurier, I was at doing a program called Business Tech Management. Yeah, I did that for about two years, and I realized that I just didn't didn't enjoy it. And uh, yeah, I was doing that for, and then that was a co-op job, basically. I did for about six months. I don't think, like, that was the moment where I was like, "Wow, I'm extremely dumb. I don't understand any of this. Like, what what is what am I doing? I have no clue what the process and whatnot is like for for this." I mean, it's not that you were dumb; you just were not cut out for that. Uh, well, that's ex- that's yeah. exactly it. So I was like, "I don't. Yeah, I don't." clearly understand what I'm trying to do here so I'm gonna step out honestly yeah I'd probably like crash a company if I I was in that position because (laughs) I'm not I'm not my brain isn't wired to be good at that so I feel like we both found our outlets in photography video whatever and uh, here you are and I feel like every brown kid at some point goes through that you know I've had people come up to be like oh you should be a chartered accountant or you should you know you should go to Harvard I was like um by the way, there's nothing also wrong with those yeah, industries and the people that choose those professions. My sister's a, she's going to become a lawyer at some point. I like to call uh, her the golden child of the house because <laughs> she picked the career that my parents uh, are like. They're happy with me, obviously. Don't don't get me wrong, but like you know, with people people and when they say lawyer, like you get that people people understand it right away. So. Yeah, they have to explain. I'm a social uh, media content creator. Yeah, and then they're like, explain more about that. But I, it, it's once again, it, it's just different times, like generations and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my parents didn't put any pressure on 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 me when I was growing up. Like, I was waiting for the lecture. Like, you need to be this. But my parents are like, yeah, just pick whatever you want. And I was like, huh? Yeah, but like, yeah, just, I just I really don't care. I'm gonna support you 100, but just you know. And then I was like, damn, okay. So then I had like a hundred options that I put on my table. I was like, okay, I'll be this, 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 this. But then ended up the the two narrow things that I had put it down were either a software engineer or like a biomedical engineer. And then we just ended up with biomedical engineer. And I just told my dad, he's like, okay, cool, sweet. Yeah, well, that's the open open mindedness. Yeah, Tanashi is doing a biomedical degree right now, engineering that's, degree. That's insane. And he's taking up all these like different roles, like. He's doing the podcast, and then he's just like doing so many. He's stuff. doing a lot, multi multi talented. Yeah, yeah. And I would have learned, especially with engineering, um, in the typical traditional curriculum that I'm going through. I don't know about other unis. It's not anything special. I think I did more engineering in high school than I do now. It, it so I'm like, it's it's something that you're born with, to be honest. The way you process creating and visions, because a lot of it is just solving hard equations. At the end of the day, so I was like, okay, what I'm mainly extracting from this is problem solving. And I'm like, okay, what should I do with this problem-solving technique? So luckily for my current, one of my current roles that I have, 
I'm doing a lot of problem solving. So I'm like, yes, put it there. From there, I was like, oh, they're teaching me data analytics. Let me take that, put it somewhere there. So I've just been taking it each row. So from each row, I've been putting something that I knew, then uh, gain something else and then moved on to the next. Cause I was like, engineering is there, but it's not my whole world. So let me dabble in other industries. And that's what I like about, you know, this whole experience that we're going through. Cause we're still all trying to figure it out. And then at the end of the day, that degree title shouldn't limit you. You can do so much more. By the way, I like where this conversation is headed because initially when I thought three Merck fans, Mercedes fans, and Lewis fans <laughs> were going to talk about today's race, but I was like, no, this is. I'm kind of glad because I'm like, I don't want to relive that race. Fair enough. We should talk about that race at the end. No, we'll get into Formula One like there's a, there's a, as like as a whole like very soon. But I do have a couple of questions before that. I do like that shirt. Thank you. RX100. RX100. I'm, I'm a big bike. Well, trying to get more into bikes. Yeah. I saw your uh, the tar tar form. Yeah, tar form. Yeah, yeah. Nice. nice. Do do you know about the RX100? I don't know too much about it. Um, it's supposed to be this classic Indian bike. They don't make it anymore. Yeah. And it's supposed to be just this classic Indian bike that back in the day, if you had it, it was like a social status, like a status symbol, basically. Okay. And um, my friend back in India, he shout out to him by the way, Sai, if you're listening to this, hello. <laughs> um, he's a guitar player check him out i'll link him as well somewhere where it's appropriate anyway um he has that bike mm. and uh, he it's passed down to like two generations and then he let me uh drive it around the city almost crashed it oh my god um because i was just learning how to do it but probably not the first bike that i should have uh, driven if hey, i was learning trial but... through fire it's okay yeah <laughs> trial through fire they say drive it like it's not yours drive it like you stole it basically it like oh my god <laughs> but uh yeah I like your t-shirt too, by the way. Yeah, the F1 Geeks shirt. Um, sorry, I should be close to Mike. Um, my friend Ash Sater from LA, again, a person I met on Clubhouse, which we'll, we'll talk about. He gave me the shirt. He runs an F1 account, uh, YouTube channel called F1 Geeks. F1 Geeks, they, they do a podcast after the race, and they talk about we talk with drivers, I think, at some point, race reviews. But yeah, he's cool. He's uh, I've, I've met him in person. I met him through Clubhouse. Uh, just about a year ago. So he sent me the shirt actually not too, a couple days ago from LA. And it's got like little Easter eggs and whatnot. So the if the camera can see the right-hand side or my right-hand side, there's a signature here of the first ever world champion. Don't ask me his name because I don't remember. <laughs> um, and then there's a bunch of Easter eggs in the back of the shirt. Um, so yeah, thank you, Ash. For gifting me this. Yeah, I love the attention to detail on that one. If if you know sure. me and my friends, we love F1 merch and we spent way too much money of our <laughs> on F1 merch and it's it's a problem. It's a it's a problem. It is yeah. a problem. I have a seventy five dollar Mercedes cap sitting yeah. in my room. Yeah. I don't wear it. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get the new T-shirts, but I don't know about spend a hundred dollars on that. Hundred pounds actually on that. Yeah, hundred pounds. It's yeah. by the way. Um, you said his name is Ash Sater. So Ash Sater, if you're listening, please feel free to send us some merch at New Life Network. <laughs> you know what? I will. Um, I will put in a good word. Ash, <laughs> we got some good friends. Uh, friends here, so thank you. Maybe, Ash. maybe consider it. Thank you, Ash. <laughs> but you know, okay. To track back to the question that I had, and you know, we were talking about parents. Uh, I think parents, of course. You know, I'm glad that they all decided to support us. We have a good support system yeah. that we can look into in our parents, but. Outside of our family, um, you know, you, you, your talk with Juan, your talk about support systems. I feel like, you know, I'm fresh out of university. I am fairly new to this country. And two years of COVID sort of take, took away a lot of my social interaction opportunities away. Yeah. 
So I'm trying to build my support system, I feel, and uh, it's been a tricky one. But uh, how did you go about building your support system, either through uh, community or through friends, workplace, anything? It was not not uh, not work. I, I don't find... That's a separate topic, sorry. Um, <laughs> I found it through Clubhouse. Clubhouse really helped me. Um, there was people that I met, obviously, because of the shared interest of, of Formula One. It was a common interest there. So naturally, we started talking about races and coming up this upcoming season and whatnot. And then from there, it sort of translation to translated to about just life stuff in general. So we talked about everything from, you know, mental health and like uh, what you're doing on a daily basis and life just outside of F1 and motorsports and whatnot. like what how, what storytelling, like what what kind of career and what kind of jobs and what kind of person have you become into up to now and all these people there's this group of people that um that i met through clubhouse some of my closest friends now that have become my become my support system including uh some people from the discord as well that we that you mentioned so those are like my two core groups of people that i go to if i have you know troubles or want to chat about something and just want to rant or and they're always open to like listening and vice versa as well so that support system is is great because they listen without judgment and they listen as well and they give sound advice. Some of them are much older, some of them are, are much younger, but they have, we have a shared experience and a shared interest. So naturally we sort of click and it takes time. You won't find it right away, but when you find those type of people and you find that you can gel with them, don't let go of them because they, they're rare to find. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I've shouted out, shouted them out before. Uh, to on my group is called Tune, the group is called Tunes and Tires mm-hmm. on 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 Instagram with the with the F one Greek Sarah Sarah, my friend made that made that name, and she's she's a communications specialist. Yeah, so she's very good with words and like like just coming up with cool names. And what was it again? Old. Tunes, Tunes and Tires, Tunes and Tires. So we 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 talk a lot about music and we talk a lot about F one. Um, and in cars in general, so nice. yeah, Sarah, Max, Lydia, same Samantha, those are very um, F one people that I chat to on a regular basis, and then our Discord people as well. Yeah. Now I want to get into Formula One. Yes. Now we can talk about Formula One. Quick question. Quick yes. question. Yes. <clears throat> this is a very important question. I think the most important question of this podcast. Yes. Now, I was looking for Montreal tickets. They're sold out, <laughs> and I, I want to get them at retail price. Please tell me you know somewhere I can get them at retail price. Because right now, the resale value is like 200% the normal retail like value. Okay, so I I have a, I had a lot of people ask me this question as well. Uh, obviously, with this job that I've got with Sports Manage, I, I can now be in F1. But I had my ticket with me. I bought a ticket, which was, I think I paid like 300 something. Um, you can call the ticketing office... And, or you can email the Canadian GP. Um, I told my friends that same information and they said even they were sold out and they were directed to another like third party site, which was reselling some tickets. And I think those got sold out as well. Because the third parties that I'm seeing are selling it like three times, two times. And I'm like, "Mm." what 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 kind of prices are you saying? Uh, I saw nine hundred ninety nine to a thousand dollars for no. a ticket. That's a, by the way, also that's the cheapest ticket from Miami as well. Yeah, now Miami is gonna be crazy. 
Yeah. First ever Miami race. Yeah. First ever Miami race. But yeah, for the Canadian GP, uh, you might be out of luck. But you know, call 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 the ticketing office and email them, and they might be kind enough to, yeah. like, to oh, figure big. out something. I'll be like, please, 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 please. please. <laughs> I want to send. I want to spend money with you guys yeah, if exactly. you just have more tickets. Exactly. I'll, I'll be like, I'll buy five right now. You know, because me and my friends are all going. I'm like, oh, just please. Yeah. You know what you can also do? Uh, are people on your podcast F1 fans or mm. a few? I mean, we have a very broad audience. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't care. I'm talking to only one person then. If there's if there's only one person that that is looking for F1 tickets, I would suggest actually just coming to Montreal, enjoying the Montreal experience as the GP. Don't you don't have to necessarily attend the race. You can just go to like a bar or something, right? Okay. So go to like some sort of bar and watch watch the race there. What if you can get on top of like a skyscraper that you could see the track? But over? Montreal isn't built like that. Montreal's not, not built, built like that. that. No, because yeah, the track is in old Montreal, I think. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. unfortunately, there's not many skyscrapers. I think in Montreal either. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Speaking I'm, of Formula One, I am excited for you to go to Singapore. Yeah, that's gonna be later in the. I forget what uh, month that is, but that's September. Be, September. Pretty sure it's September. It usually happens in September. Okay, so that's gonna be a an exciting race honestly for sure are you gonna so how does this work like do you get to stay in the cities for like a bit when you're there or do you just attend the race and you're out next day yeah uh so miami is going to be my first ever race i work which is double exciting because f1's going there for the very first time so it's a new experience for everyone and yeah i i don't know exactly i think it depends per race sometimes we might have to be there a bit earlier like two weeks earlier or a week earlier okay um but i don't make any of the travel reservations they they all do that so we'll find out well you guys find out before uh, the same time i do <laughs> fair enough and if you're there a week earlier hit me up and i'll tell you all the spots to go oh to. yeah yeah i i i need to know all the food places oh yes uh in every place i go to so for sure yeah you gotta try the chicken rice when you the go. The chicken to, rice, yes. Okay, it sounds plain, but I'm sure it's <laughs> it's like it's, I've had chicken rice before. Coming <laughs> like it's 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 okay. So the whole thing it's called the Hainanese chicken rice, and it's it's a Singapore delicacy. And every everyone who goes to Singapore, I recommend that to them. The beauty is in its simplicity. Okay, you'll see. Uh, I'll show you photos of it later after the podcast. But uh, the best rice I've had is jollof rice. Oh, jollof rice. Yeah. Okay. oh man, jollof rice is. To die for. Do you like biryani? I like biryani, but I've had biryani all the time. Jollof rice doesn't get made enough. And I'm, I'm obviously Indian, but jollof rice is just... Yeah, I got introduced to it in university. I'm like, yeah. I don't think I've ever tried jollof rice. Jollof, you yeah, have to yeah, try yeah, like, jollof. Like my friend who's Nigerian makes that all the time. But me, I, and it's funny because I make chicken fried rice a lot more. So we kind of like swap sometimes. Yeah. But jollof rice, I'll have to try the chicken rice when I get down there. Oh, there's a whole list I can, I'm going to give you. So, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. For food, for sure. Yeah. Singapore's a food city. Anyway, coming back into Formula One, right? Mm. Now, I, I see the Still I Rise tattoo. Yeah. I can't help but see it. Do you see it? Makes sense. It, it yeah. makes Because <laughs> at first I was like, I wonder where that inspiration came from. I was like, oh. Lewis is Lewis. By the way, also, this is, a, it says 43 on there, and that's not because I made an accident. Oh, I didn't even see the forty-three. Wait, because okay. you made a what? Sorry, it's it's not an act. It's not a. It's not by accident that this is forty-three. Because oh. Lewis's number is forty-four. 44, yeah. So people see the still I rise tattoo and they go, "Wait a second, his number is 44. I lost a bet in the with a friend from the UK for the twenty twenty-one season. I thought Lando, uh, I thought Daniel Daniel Ricciardo would be ahead of Lando Norris in the championship. 
Didn't turn out that way, did it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I lost that bet horribly. So originally it was just like, I'm going to get a four greater than three, four obviously being Lando Norris's number, three being Daniel Ricciardo's number. And I was like, okay, how am I going to fit this in here? So I had an idea to get a tattoo. For the longest time, I was like, okay, this, today, today's the day then. I get it. I got it right after the Abu Dhabi race as well, Yeah, which we shall not discuss. Oh, Wait, you. if you'd won so the much. bet, what would have happened? My friend would have had to got, would need to get the tattoo, yeah. uh, three greater than four. But I think I would have, I was already planning to get a tattoo anyway, so, yeah. He, st- he still knows about the traumatic experience no, no, of no, Abu no, Dhabi. No, no. We, we don't talk about that. Yeah. We don't talk about that. Till this day, I still feel something about that. Yeah, no. <laughs> Michael Massey, bro. Hey. He's not. You know, he's not here anymore. Nah, yeah, nah, no, nah, nah. no, he's gone. Let's move swiftly away from that yeah. race. <laughs> Very fast. No, yeah, let's do it. Let's actually. I want to talk about Lewis because yeah. I know I know how big of a fan you are of yes. Lewis, and I I just want to know what draws you to him. Yeah, I mean, so obviously he's the only black driver on the grid. Has been the only black driver on the grid. He, and in in two thousand six when he did the Turkey race. A lot of people might remember this. Yeah, uh, I think he came from the back. I, that's the race I watched. He was it was in Turkey. He came from the back. I think was he it finished, a GP two race? GP two yeah. race. Yeah, he and he finished. I think was it second? Yeah, or he finished second. I remember that race because McLaren signers were there. Yeah, so he had to impress. Like Ron so, Dennis was there. Ron Dennis yeah. was there. Yeah. So he was about to get his signing. So he started at the front. Yeah, and then he got his spun. Yeah. Then he went to the back, and then he, he. I remember Lewis himself saying this. He was like, "Yeah, my deal, like my signage with McLaren was gone because he needed to impress that day." But thank God, I don't even know how he drove from P twenty. Yeah. To P two. P two. After a spot, and then they signed him. And they signed him. Yeah. yeah. Well, race. he was already signed from before. I think he just had to continue to impress them. Until, yeah. Well, he got signed to McLaren. Yeah. To McLaren. Yeah. To one team yeah. after. Yeah. But that. Well, firstly that, and then, secondly, he just looked different. From from any, everyone else, and I've always been a person to be like, let's try and do something different all the time. So that's why he instantly gravitated gravitated towards me, and he's grown into like this absolute idol of mine now. Uh, especially in 2019, 2020, 2021, he's become his own, like coming to his own. His in his McLaren years, he was kind of like more straight faced and like square cut. Partly because of McLaren and Ron Dennis making them do that, but now with Mercedes, he's like. He does fashion. He does music. He does. He's in F one. He travels the world. You know. He doesn't. He doesn't take anything that he does for for granted, and he gets to experience all this, all the all these things, and like enjoys doing all of this. And I don't see any other driver ever doing that. You know, it's just like I drive. I go. You know, I go to the races. I party a bit, but that's it. Absolutely, he stands for a lot of like different purposes. He stands he for different purposes. To. He's got so many stories to tell, and he he, he inspires me on a, on a on a daily basis. So you know, he I won't. I'm a I'm a huge Lewis fan, obviously, but like I don't. I still see the flaws and the stuff he does, and like I'm not afraid to criticize him all the time. Be like, dude, sometimes you just you might be off the ball, but he he still he still inspires me to to the daily, on a daily basis because uh, he's just different. He's different from every other driver on the grid. Yeah. I, I think, remember... Yeah, sorry, oh, you sorry. go. No, you go, you go. I was going to say, especially right now with this, like, equity and diversity, um, inclusivity, like, expansion that he wants to bring into Formula One, because he's saying just opening up uh, more opportunities to increase diversity within that, you know, Formula One world. Okay. And he's, he's, he's right. Right? He... 
there there is a problem there what there's it's it's lacking diversity and i think what his hamilton commission is doing is like broadening that search of people that are that are interested in the sport that are from different uh backgrounds different backgrounds and different races because new perspectives and new stories yep. get told because if if there's people from different backgrounds and different different races it's not always just like the same stories all the time yeah right no for sure i think lewis lewis is one of a kind driver you can't you can't really find he's he's irreplaceable basically yeah and i think he gets he gets undeserved hate all the time but i, I feel think. like you know anyone at that level of success and yeah. like power is tend to draw like an equivalent amount of hate you know i think so do you know what i mean yeah yeah there i'm sure i'm sure michael if Twitter was a thing back then and Instagram was a thing back then would have got similar level of hate yeah from from fans or from from people that watch the sport True. you know I remember that when I was 10 10 or 11 years old might have been 10 years old my dad handed me Lewis Hamilton's autobiography that Wait, he's he, done an autobiography yes oh wow okay this is news to me this is yeah that this I, I think he was I think this might have been after his first ever world championship and he gave me Lewis Hamilton's book and that was the start of my sort of like looking up to Lewis yeah. and then I was like because it, it, it was cool because I didn't really read the book but it you know how like in books there's like pictures in like autobiographies especially there's like sections of just pictures yeah. I used to just look at the pictures I don't really even I haven't read the book till date but um, <laughs> uh, that was the start for me and then cut to about two years later I moved to Singapore when I was uh, 10 years old uh, and it, he gave me the book earlier that year and then towards the end of the year I moved and i attended my first uh, grand prix in 2011 and that was the singapore singapore grand prix singapore grand prix okay. i've only ever attended the singapore grand prix and i've gone every year since maybe i missed like one or two years in between and yeah just seeing him race seeing all the cars and like hearing the v8 engines yeah. i think that that was that was, that was just magnificent because the the streets right they change you'd go take a bus through the same street uh like every day to school or like to go somewhere and then the whole city when it's converted into a track it's it's just amazing to see and yeah, it's so if, bright if people don't follow f1 just picture a car going 300 kilometers an hour on young and dundas yep yeah. going past the queen and spadina oh, that would be disastrous yo if they were to do a street circuit in toronto mm-hmm. which which road would they do imagine uh, you know like um what's they that? should they should go past the queen's spadina mcdonald's <laughs> the infamous mcdonald's they should, should go have past a pit the stop there yeah, yeah. exactly oh, yeah yeah, yeah. cuz i'm just trying to think cuz a lot of them and dandas have um the tram lines so i'm trying to think which ones don't have the tram lines but it doesn't really matter just put the curbs over those tram lines and it's good to go you know yeah people don't need public transport right yeah, yeah. Right? that day you're walking. Yeah, everyone's walking, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think actually people well so they do Honda Indy. They do Honda Indy in Toronto, right? So uh, I'm not too sure. I don't even know that. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. you'd mentioned it the other day. Yeah, they do was... they do the IndyCar uh race in Toronto and they do they go down Lakeshore. They go through the BMO field and a care center. Oh, okay. It's a short it's a very short track. But, but I presume it hasn't happened for a couple of years now. It hasn't happened for two years. It's coming back this year. But it's a very tight course and it's very quick. Yeah. So if they were to do it, it would be yeah, maybe there, but it's it's tiny. Like anyone I, we know, like any notable drivers. I mean, 
Yeah, James in. James Hinchcliffe. He's a Canadian Canadian driver. I think he's retired now, but my friend Mac and client uh, is managed and managed by him. Uh, Robert Wickens, who had a pretty bad accident a couple couple years back. He's like I think paralyzed from the legs down. In IndyCar is much more dangerous, by the way, but than 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 F one. Uh, but those those are notable drivers that I can I can think of. There's many more, I'm sure. But yeah. Okay. Now, while being on the topic of Formula One, right? And um, like, what are you excited about for this for this new gig? Oh, I thought you were gonna ask about the season. Um, I'm I'm excited to do all that traveling. I'm like I said, I started with going down these nature walks and stuff when I first picked up my camera. So, the idea of exploring all these countries has always been in the back of my mind, being like, oh, this would be cool to go here. This would be cool, cool place to go. And now that I've got at least a bit more expendable income to do that more recently, I've been able to go and travel to like New York, LA. Uh, but those, you know, people, people have gone to those. Now it's going to be interesting to go back to go to like a place like Singapore, go to Japan, which I've wanted to go for a very long time. Uh, a lot of the European countries I haven't been to. So I'm, I'm excited to do all the travel. Uh, that's not to say the work is not going to be exciting. The work I think is going to be is going to be extremely exciting and being in the paddock as well is going to be kind of kind of mad mad in a good way because you've been i've been watching these races for for so long and you're seeing all these drivers all these people that you you know so being in that paddock and having that access because that that paddock access is so difficult to get either you pay so much money or you you know you you work in f1 so that's going to be uh I think that's when it's going to hit me that I'm like, oh, wow, this is, I'm actually doing this now that I get to go into the paddock and do my, do, do, do the job that I'm like, I am interested and passionate about. For sure. And this, this is also a question that I was like wondering about because I feel like whenever we take up something, we are always like looking forward to, okay, what sort of transformation am I going to go through? If I put myself through this experience or like, how is this going to challenge me as a human being or even as a creative so in what ways do you think or like do you hope that you are challenged in this new experience or path that you have as a creative, as a human being in general? It's less to do with the actual job itself because when I actually think about it, the actual experience of managing someone's social, like I've done that before. It's just at a different scale with higher budgets and like a with a different team. But the work essentially is pretty much similar i think the challenges will come more internally as being being as a person just living it uh f1 in general tends to be not in general but f1's traveling constantly so as much as it's f1's glamorized about traveling to all these weird cool destinations you know it takes a toll on people and i've seen it uh with with people in teams and whatnot and it's kind of it's grueling to it looks grueling so i think the challenge will be like maintaining my sort of mental health and physical health throughout the throughout the year um i'll definitely be alone quite a lot so that's something that i haven't experienced fully i haven't moved out of my moved out of my house so i'll be living in the uk by myself and spending most weekends honestly working which a lot of people you know take weekends off but you have to you have to work during the weekends during F one. So 
that that will be the challenge is just being in my own mental health headspace and being by myself most of the time. I've done it before, but not obviously to this extended amount of time. So, and the season goes on until November. So that's, you know, let's, let's see. You might have, I might have a different conversation with you by, by the end of the year being like, how, how have you changed as a person now that you've been through this experience? Because you can tell it all you want, if, but you, if you haven't experienced that, you can't, you can't tell how it, it really is. Absolutely. And I know for a fact that we'll have a different conversation at the end of the year because there's so many surprises that you don't even know what's in like for you yet and the things you're going to learn. And uh, uh, I am so excited for you. I think, of course, Formula One is a very, 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 very hard sport to get into. And the fact that you've done it, you've committed and you've stuck to that vision, you're a real testament to what uh, I'd say is like if you commit and like actually put your mind to it, you can get it. The one who wants it the most at the end of the day will get it. And I think you've got it. And I, I, I love that. I love that for you. I, I, I appreciate that. I've been this past couple of weeks and since I've gotten the job, I've been getting lots of compliments and feels nice to be validated in that way. And, you know, constantly being told by people, being like, congratulations, like you really deserve it. It's <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy obviously, and proud of myself. Uh, but I truly, truly appreciate all the people that are like coming even out of the woodworks being like, congratulations, like you deserve to be, to be in this position. It feels, feels nice. And I'm just happy and grateful to be, to be in that, in that space now. So, um, and I'll, I will be looking out for the photos that you're going to post. Oh, I'm yeah. going to be sharing, supporting. I'm, I'm just going to see. No, of course I, I will, I will always appreciate that. Cause I think, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be very grateful if when people are doing that, honestly. Are we good to wrap up? Yeah, I'm good to yeah. wrap up. Nero, thank you so much again of course. for coming here. It was such a great conversation. I could go on for like three more hours if I can, but... I'm sure we could. <laughs> I'm sure we could. You know? But uh, no, this has just been great. And uh, Tanasha, do you, would you, do you have any like closing remarks, anything to ask? I mean, adjusting to that time zone instantly. Like, let's say you're doing yes. back-to-back yeah. races. You're going to have to adjust to... The time zones quite quickly, you know. Yeah, so I don't like. I tend to get very adapt quickly. Adapt, adapt. What am I trying to say? I can quickly adapt to like the situations I'm in. I might be tired a lot of the times. Like if you message me at a certain time during one of these races and I don't respond right away, that means I'm either tired or like trying to get up to speed. But I can adapt pretty quickly to the time zone but we we shall see yeah maybe i'm saying this now <laughs> but this might be a different conversation you when know, you message good. me being like how are you how are you feeling going from singapore to japan japan back to the u.s i'm like uh, yeah so all right perfect thank you so much honey yeah i think we're good we're uh good? yeah we'll catch you on the next one catch you on the next one well i might not be here but I can Thank you for tuning into New Light Network. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can listen to New Light Network on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For more content, follow us on Instagram at newlightnet and check out our YouTube for more clips and behind-the-scenes content. I'll catch you on the next one. This is Ani, signing off. Peace.